Welcome to episode 833 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 833 of I'm Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good, thanks, Bevan. And yourself? Oh, I'm bloody. It's, it's pretty wet here in New Zealand. It is. Christchurch, wettest month in 80 years. Wettest maybe July. On record. Wettest July. Yeah. Far out, man. Getting over the rain. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's like, it's, remember Forrest Gump, the movie, we did all the rain sections? Yeah. It's a bit like that. Yeah. I think we're getting, we had like three hours of sunshine last week. Anyhow. Really? Something, something ridiculous. Someone told me at the pool this morning. Jeepers, creepers. Doesn't matter. Because what you could do in the rain, John, is you could use your form goggles. I talk is proudly brought to you by. That's the thing. We got wet this morning. We got wet leaving the pool as well. So form goggles get the most accurate real-time swim metrics, hundreds of guided workouts, and lap-by-lap motivation. So check them out at formswim.com. We want to say, also want to say thank you to our patrons. You can go first, Jumbo. Colin, hungry like a wolf. Ooh, nice Durant. Bit. Doreen Durant there. Yeah. Uh, Darren Double O Jones. And good old Ian White Lightning Hersey from who lives in Kona now. Oh, he does too. Mm. Yeah, I remember seeing him on the street. Uh, I am on this week's show. We've got some news. We've got hot topic of the week. We're going to interview. We have. We're talking to Florian Angert. He's a German pro. You will have seen him at the Ironman World Championships this year. In wonderful last year's Ironman World Championships, which was in this year's last year's. Yeah, he finished in. I did this interview last week. I think it was fifth place. I think it was outstanding race. He was in that sort of breakaway group with. Braden Curry and co, and had an awesome event, and so he is one of the top-ranked athletes in the world. Okay, we've got Wanger of the Week, we've got questions and answers. Okay, so the big race happened over the year, over this weekend, it was the first of the PTO's championship races, is that what they call them? PTO, Canadian Open, but is it a part of the PTO Tour? PTO Tour, so obviously the Collins Cup is the big mama. Mm-hmm. if we're going to call it that, yeah. um, and then they've got the three other races, haven't they? Uh, well, they will have eventually. At the moment, this year, they're having the Canadian Open and the US Open, and they'll have the Collins Cup as well. Next year, they'll be adding, it looks like, the European Open and the Asian Open. So before um, subs plan. and then Collins Cup. Mm. Uh, so let's break it down. Do you want to talk men or females first, John? Well, big points. The key points are it's big money on offer, and we do, do really need to highlight this for, for triathletes. This is a million dollars. It is massive uh, big points and that leads to bigger money and better rankings um, because at the end of the year the pros have a uh, the ranking system so they're going to get bonuses there the build up to this was was big um, lots of athlete interviews I watched uh, they had a little sort of documentary on Paula Finlay and Lionel Sanders leading into the race really really good the Lionel Sanders story we've, we've all pretty much heard yeah. so that was much the same but the Paula Finlay side of things was really really interesting especially if you're not someone that what used to follow um, ITU when she was she just had this 12 month span where she just absolutely oh, destroyed really? everybody but since then what happened uh, just injuries and up and down and, and yeah just all over the show so okay. on her day she is amazing and it's a really good insight into her um, and look I think the other big point the athletes really feel valued by doing these races and uh, and obviously a you know, big part of that is the money, but also the respect that they, they, they seem to be getting from it. So. Okay, so let's break down the course first before we talk results. So the course was a three-lap swim. 
Yeah, I loved it. Multi-laps was, was awesome. You get to see the athletes coming out. Um, they had multi-different coloured swim caps, which is starting to come back in now at, at, at various different triathlons. The reason they didn't used to do this is kind of unfair because then you can peg yourself off oh, other athletes okay. or you can go and beat the shit out of someone if you really wanted yeah, to. Okay. Okay. Um, however, they've decided... Yes, that's a disadvantage, but hey, it helps us massively uh, in terms of being able to identify the swimmers, so that was good. Um, It seemed to me, and I didn't do any statistical analysis on this whatsoever, but the swim gap seemed to be massive between the between the athletes and really really spread out, which you you expect in a non wetsuit swim, but it just seemed to me. Was it two k? It was two k. Yeah, seemed to be big time gaps. Okay, then we had four laps of the bike course, twenty k each. Yep, it looked like a if, if you're an athlete. I reckon it looked like a really nice course to ride. You know, you had a bit of variation. You didn't have a lot of flat on there. Um, I think they could have done a better job in, in terms of, you know, giving... Making it interesting. Well, in terms of the prof, explaining the profile of the course, because when you're watching it, I, I think it looked, it was a lot hillier than what it actually looked, and they could have added that into the broadcast in terms of showing the gradients a little bit more. But it certainly wasn't anywhere as dramatic as, say, St. George or Kona or France. Yeah. For me, it just... The course, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just lacked a bit. It d- there wasn't any spectators. Yeah. It didn't really, other than when they came through the aid station, uh, through the, the end of the lap, it just felt a little bit dead from, from a spectator's point it of really view. It really did, didn't it? Mm. And even when, even in the, the end of the lap wasn't that stimulating. Like, no. You know, as, as, um, Gus, as Eden was coming in for the win, mm. you know, the crowd was pretty pumped then. Mm. And even the females race, the crowd didn't seem that pumped when they came across the line. Yeah. And... I don't know how they get, how they get, how to fix that because it's so hard when you compare it to say the Tour de France and stuff. It's just like thousands and thousands. But is and it thousands that they go to road? Is it that they yeah, go to some races they already the, have a history? Mm, I think I think potentially. You know, like let's say this race was in road. Mm. It's a different spectator view, isn't it? Because if that course been lined with people, we would have been singing it even even in sections. Well, it adds something, doesn't it? it? It adds just a bit of noise, a bit of atmosphere. It just looked like a, a bunch of guys going out for an easy, well, not easy, God, going out for a training weekend kind of mm. race, wasn't it? Yeah. The run uh, was four laps. Um, one of the challenges, especially in the men's race, they needed to have longer laps. And look, I, I hate being negative like this. I'm just we're just trying You're to such give, a negative Nancy. <laughs> yeah, just trying to look at the good and the bad. The the problem with the run is they needed to have longer laps because you wouldn't have expected guys to be five kilometres down. Yeah, but they were, and that made it confusing when you're watching it. You, I mean, for us hardcore athletes, you kind of know what's going on. You go, I know Gustav Eden's about to pass a tail ender. But if you think about somebody else watching that, they're going, oh, well, what's going on? Well, here? and also the tail enders were quality athletes. Oh. You know, like it wasn't like it was some, you know, 100th place pro, and you know, but me and Kona. Yeah. You know, it was basically really good athletes. And so the commentators had to make it really clear this person is not, you know, there was a lot yeah. of explaining that actually they've been lapped. Because there was one time they were uh, passing uh, Kiwi fella um, Moody, Jack Moody. Mm. He he runs like quite often about a one eleven or so, one eleven, one twelve and a half Ironman. He is a decent runner, but when you've got someone like Gustav Eden, so that was a challenge. They just needed to make the laps a bit bit longer, um, and I thought they needed lead bikers as well. That would have, if you were on the ground watching it. You, when yeah. you after a couple of laps, you'd go. I don't know what's who's what's going on here. So a few little things to work on there. So just overall, you like it, but it's not iconic. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was. A, it looked like no a crowds. really nice course because it was in a park. You didn't really get, I guess, the general public coming and watching, which you might get if you're in, say, 
downtown, um, then you might get more more public on the side. Before we the go streets. here, let's, let's actually break down the results. So first of all, we'll go to the female race, which happened on the what day was it? There was Sunday morning, wasn't it? It was Sunday for us. It was Saturday over there. Uh, so talk about the race, John. Were you surprised? Uh, yes and no. I've Ashley Gentle wasn't at all surprised that she won. I'm just surprised it's taken her this long to, to put in a performance like that. She was but, pretty emotional, wasn't she? Yeah, she's a quality athlete and she raced for a long, long time at ITU, a sort of world triathlon stuff. And she won a lot of races, did extremely well. She'd often be running up from the second or third group and come through and, and do exceptionally well. So she was a great athlete, but her swim was always in R. Kelly's heels, so she of, often wasn't in, in the main front group. But she was a very, very good athlete. And I thought when she makes that switch over, she's just going to crush it. And she has had some good results, but not to this sort of level. Uh, so yes, not not that surprised that she crushed it. Her run, man, she ran a one oh three seventeen. That's averaging three thirty per k for eighteen k off a hard bike ride. That's awesome. Uh, and but for her, she had an amazing swim for her, an absolutely amazing swim that set her up uh, so that was an awesome performance the riding was on the wall um, when Paula Finlay who was leading uh, she looked great on the bike um, but she once they got off the bike and you could see she wasn't running amazingly uh, Ashley Gentle was so it was a matter of time before they before they came through so first place was Ashley Gentle with a 103.17 put in perspective she did outrun a lot of the guys. Uh, you know, not, she's certainly not outrunning Gustav Eden and the, the top guys. They were running fifty-eight and a half, but in terms of the bottom half of the field, she was outrunning a Where's lot the of results? them. results? Sorry, the link doesn't have the female results. That's the male-only result. Uh, there is they are they are up there. I should have added the, the females just to just do a little search. Okay, it's not it's not that go, go on go on uh, go on athlete rankings and then you'll find latest results. Okay. Or you can go to Torsten's results you've got there. So we had first place Ashy Gentle, um, fairly commanding victory in the end by uh, about two and a half minutes over Paula Finlay. Chelsea Sidaro came through with an awesome run. She was well down after the swim, put on a nice steady bike and then ran a 104. Uh, Laura Phillip, she just got outpipped by um, Chelsea Sidaro, so she was in fourth and Julie Deren was in fifth. So overall, you know, it was Nicola Spurig tenth. Yeah, she. You'd expect that after the sub seven. Yeah, yeah, a and sub eight. I, it's hard to know what sort of shape she's in. This, this is, it's her last year of racing. Apparently, is she the one who's got four kids, three kids, three or four. Yeah, yeah. A lawyer, three kids. Well, I don't know if she's a practicing lawyer. She's got a law well, degree. But, well, yeah, getting a law degree is no schmuck. Yeah. Um, what a legend. Yeah, no, she's she's, she's a little person. little different, you know, because like, she seems to refuse to ride a TT bike, um, and. Yeah, she just does things a little bit differently. But hey, she's got Olympic medals and we haven't. So she's know what she's she knows well, what man, she's doing. She's doing something right. So it was very much the short course and seventy point three specialists um, that crushed it here. You know, he had Laura Phillip in there, who is great at both, but probably more of a long course athlete. And out of the top ten, that's pretty much it. Um, when you go into sort of 10th through 15th, then you've got a couple more like Jocelyn McCauley, Jackie Herring and Sky Monch. Um, but yeah, it very much was the, the females crushing it. So 100 grand for first, dropping down to 70, 50, 40. It was very close racing from, where was it, from about sort of 7th, 8th down to about 14th. Uh, there was only like a minute covering them. And in that minute, you've lost ten thousand uh, dollars. So you you got to race hard for your places. You know, a couple of thousand bucks for a lot of these athletes is makes quite a big difference. Who do you think would be most disappointed in the females' field? Um, 
who will be most disappointed? Yeah. Well, the ones obviously DNF, Fennell Langridge, Sarah Crowley, and Emma Pallant Brown. Emma Pallant Brown had uh, some bike challenges. And then last place was Jenny Metzler. We saw her on the podium at the 70.3 World Champs. I assume she must have had some bike issues. Um, so, yeah, I'd say probably the likes of um, Jackie Herring and. Um, would probably be a bit disappointed with that, Skymonch. But as I said, they're a little bit better at the the, the full distance than than the half. So it was it was it was a good race. It wasn't. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a bit more, you know, running shoulder to shoulder stuff, as I think we all would have. Um, but it was a good race, quality field, and it was solid. awesome to see post race interview of Ashley Gentle, and. It just really meant a lot to her, you mm. know, and you could see that she's obviously been through some a bit of a journey, mm. and to get a race like this, you know, because I know we in the female field we didn't quite have all the rock stars, mm. but still it's one of the big races of the year now, and for her to get this race and the payday, yeah, you know, like you could see it really meant a lot to her, and that was that was really cool to see that. Um, the, the kind of sense of achievement that came with winning that race. I'm excited to see if she does Ironman. Uh, I think she'll be really good at Ironman as well. Okay, so. the men's race. Uh, so it was an interesting race, wasn't it? It was good, and I, I sort of thought last week. I wondered if we're going to have a bit of a break on the bike, and that's pretty. It's kind of panned out a bit, a bit like that. Although that break did split up and ended only having two off the front. So you had uh, Sam Laidlaw and uh, Brownlee. Brownlee, and I think all of us were watching Brownlee going. Don't know if you're going to do very much on the run. He here. was never going to do much anyway, but he did blow up. He did. Yeah, uh, he, he had he, some, he some major issues. Good. Yeah. So it was good. Good that we had a break on the bike, and that made things interesting. And he um, obviously took a risk because he knew, he, you know, obviously bike probably harder than what he would have. Mm. So first off the bike, we had Sam Laidlow and um, Brownlee, and Brownlee initially ran up to Sam Laidlow and then sort of dropped off a bit, and then as Bevan said, had major stomach cramps. To his credit, he carried on going and, and did, did finish, um, and Sam Laidlaw also had, uh, he cramped up a bit on the run, but but again, he managed to, to box on through it and probably cost him one place. He was only 20 seconds off third. So unsurprisingly, Gustav Eden uh, took it out in front of Christian Blumenfeld, came off the bike well, together. You say unsurprisingly, if, well, yeah, unsurprisingly, but if Blumenfeld didn't cramp, or whatever happened to his quad happened to his quad. So if you didn't see the race, basically with about probably 5k to go. Oh, I think it was a bit earlier than that. No, it was. I think it was. It was pretty early in the run. I okay. think it was after maybe the first lap or, or maybe the second. So they were shoulder to shoulder. They were catching mm. up, laid low, um, laid low, and then he just suddenly stopped. Mm. And 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 you kind of thought he was out, didn't you? Yeah, he sort of looked like he had a hip uh, cramps in his hip flexor. And yeah. So you weren't sure if he cramped or if he'd actually pulled something. And then he turned it around and he actually made up time. He made up about two minutes. Now, maybe Eden was kind of saving something. Who knows? Didn't, but that didn't sound like it. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Okay. So he was making up time, but he just ran a runway. But such, it was such a pity because if they'd stayed shoulder to shoulder... It, it would have been very interesting. Yeah, it kind of killed the moment, didn't it? It did, definitely did, because we haven't seen those two go head to head, and I mean, now we still kind of haven't yeah, seen them go head to head. My counter to that would be Gustav Eden was on the front and looked like he was driving a pretty solid pace on the bike, which may well have caused um, both Christian Blumenfeld and others to cramp. So it's like it is three sports together. So I haven't got any sympathy for Christian Blumenfeld. Oh no, no, you cramp. Hey, yeah. bad luck. You, you know that's part. You got to get to the finish line, don't you? But yeah. but it was just a disappointment because you kind of. I didn't find this racing that exciting. Mm. And this was the one thing that could have been exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, and if they'd stayed together for that last 10, 15K, how cool would have that been if it come down to a bit of a, you know, because obviously Eden's a slightly faster sprinter. So Blumenfeld would have had to take some risks, you know, like it would have been a really fascinating dynamic. 
Yeah, but I mean, Gustavin is a bit better on the bike. They're usually roughly the same in the swim, and Christian Blumenfeld's a, a better runner. So you've got to fatigue Christian Blumenfeld on the bike if yeah. you want to do it. And that's why I think potentially in Kona, um, Gustav Eden has a slightly better chance by trying to fatigue Blumenfeld more on the bike. Uh, but and but the, with picks? Yeah. He's done it before at 70.3 distance. Um, whether or not we can do it at full, we'll, we'll wait and see. So those two, unsurprisingly, first and second, weren't quite sure on what order they might be. Aaron Royal um, had a great race in third place. So again, he's another bit of a 70 um, world triathlon sort of short distance athlete. has been around for donkey's years. Never been at that sort of top, top rung often sort of someone who might be somewhere between 5th and 20th so a really solid athlete um, but that's a, a massive step up from, from him as it was for Sam Laidlaw even though Cramp's still really good in 4th and Frederick Funk in 5th um, a lot of people asking about Lionel Sanders he, uh, he had a steady day, nothing spectacular but you know when you're you're that far down he was out three of the and a half off the bike, wasn't he? Mm. And he didn't really make any time up. So he basically came in seventh. Mm. And his fast his run was still three minutes behind the top guys. Yeah. And it, but he's off yeah, it, it was a it was a good solid performance. Course didn't really suit him as the commentators were saying. Um so yeah, it was it was okay. We had um Kiwi Kyle Smith in ninth place after being right up there in the, the bike. He would be happy with that race, wouldn't he? Keenlay, I saw Keenlay on the run yeah. going out on the bridge and I thought Bloody hell, he looks like he's running really, really well. Yeah. And then uh, I looked at that this morning. He, he ran the fourth fifth, fastest run. Yeah, fourth fastest run. So maybe that old dog ain't done quite yet. <laughs> maybe the old dog's got one more trick in him. And in terms of, you know, Kona and stuff, uh, yeah, he could. I'm not saying win it, but, you know, it'd be nice to see him go out um, on on a podium with a podium performance. Well, and interestingly, you, you know, the start of his career is running was his weak point. And you'd kind of argue in this race, his biking was his weak point. Mm. You know, now maybe he didn't get in a good pick because he's a slightly soft swimmer. But you know, did he have Keenley? Did he have Lionel around him? Oh, he would have had Lionel around him. So, yeah. So, but it was good to see him get it. You know, twelfth's not the greatest result for someone of that pedigree, but still, David make to me. What's happened to him? Oh, he's never done anything outside of Kona, really. To be honest, uh, I should probably he should probably I probably should look at the results. But yeah, he's had amazing results in Kona. But outside of that, not a great deal. Yeah. He's had a few podiums here and there, but certainly when you go on third and kind, you're going, any race you rock up to, you are the hot favourite. He got third in Germany in 21. Yeah. Uh, he's a couple of seconds and um, 70.3s, he's actually done okay. He's won a few 70.3s. A couple of challenges. He won Ironman UK All right. back in 2015. Yeah. So outside Seven of that. Years ago. Yeah. And, but then he's had a th- got two thirds in Kona. Hmm. And he's a great athlete, but yeah. you would expect someone who gets third in Kona to do to do really, really well yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Um, a few random things for those that didn't watch the coverage. Um, yeah, quite a few tight finishes I put down here from ninth to fourteenth. Henry Sherman almost left his swim skin on. He I left. Know. The, he left I thought of you when I saw that. <laughs> so I thought of myself, oh, I'm not the only numb nuts. And, and he luckily stopped, and he just had to take the whole thing off. There was a bit of gold. He let, he let out of the swim. Um, Alistair Brownlee missed the dismount line. Now, what do you think about that penalty? Because basically, what, if you didn't see it, basically he goes over the dismount line, only just goes up to his bike rack, realizes what he's done, takes his bike back, jumps mm. on, does what he's meant to do, comes back out, and they let him off the penalty. Should have you got the penalty? I don't. It depends what the rules are. I don't know what the rules are. If okay. he, if he, he probably knew the rule. And if if that, if, he, if you're allowed to go back and rectify your result, then I'm okay with it. But if he did break a rule, we should have got a penalty. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure what the rule Favoritism, is there. John. Favoritism. Kyle, uh, Kyle Smith. Uh, he had a couple of mares. Firstly, oh, yeah. 
he f- slammed off his bike. Oh, yeah, big time. At the dismount line, like proper over the handlebars. Uh, and that was after he'd already had a, a nightmare with his zipper not working on the, the bike. So he had the big open chest all the way through the bike. Uh, and then we've already discussed Christian Blumenfeld cramping just when it was about to get uh, interesting. So all in all, I thought the coverage was was really good. It was in terms of you know, what we, we kind of expect from races it was it was as good if not better than what we've seen in the past could it be better definitely um it was really good they had men and women on different days women got loads of coverage which was fantastic um the commentary for me um needs a little bit of work they're still not professionals i don't really feel they, they and i'm probably being a little bit harsh but i thought they did all right yeah it, it just seemed to me it was a bit of a pto cheering squad a lot of the time oh yeah but you get that and uh, um, Iron Man doesn't do that? Oh, Iron Man does it totally. I'll be saying the same thing about them the whole time. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really good. They had the split screen coverage quite a bit. So, you know, you could be watching. Two no stats? Not a lot of stats. No stats at all. And like, you oh, know. They had, you had, you had the, the, they, they were good at having accurate stats in terms of the, the, the gaps between athletes. But it often wasn't on screen. Mm. You know, because I, I did fast forward a little bit at times. Mm. And I was like, what's the gap now? Mm. You know, so they have moments where they must have gone over timing mats or something. Yeah. But there was no constant, here's the gap too. Um, and I would have liked to have had that. I would have liked to have seen some lap by lap analysis. So you could see, right, I've come through lap three. And then you have a, a, a table come up saying this was a gap between the different athletes at this stage. So little things like that, I would have thought would be relatively easy to do. Um, the commentators, again, and <laughs> we're... Yeah, it's rich for us to talk uh, talk over the top of each other the whole time. Yeah. But the females were talking over the top of each other quite a bit, okay. and that was just grating on me a little bit. Um, but all in all, it, I thought it was it was really good coverage. Okay, so but the big question is, is it a product? Well, I think it's heading in the right direction. Um, oh, I think they're way off. Well, but it's better than what we've had in the past. You've got to think what we've had in the past. No, no, but uh, well, I, I get it. Yeah. But... If we're trying to get to people who don't love triathlon, mm-hmm. we're well off. Mm-hmm. You know, like you and I, to be honest, I had in the background when I was working. Mm, so right. You know, and there's kind of moments that would kind of pull me in. Um, you know, like Super League's the only option, really. Well, for people who, you know, if you're, if you're Sunday afternoon, you're at home and you're not a, a triathlon lover, Super League mm-hmm. comes on, oh, what's this? It's a bit interesting, short yeah. dynamic. Now, I get it. Our sport is hard to do that for. Um, but Well, you see, I think that... Um, again, I say so I'm, a, I'm a, a. I don't watch much cycling. All I watch is basically more tour. Tour de France and and the other tours. How do I watch them? Um, the big stages, I'll, I'll watch um, the last segments of it. You know, the, the last hour or so. But most of the time, I'm just watching a five to six minute highlight package, um, and that's what I'll do for for some of the other tours as well. And like I got up this morning and saw they had a six minute highlight package of this race. I watched that. I thought that looks really good. Okay. Um, we are never going to get. Joe Public watching, uh, yeah, watching. But that's what they're trying to sell, is it? I guess you know it is. the broadcasting rights is where they're going to make their money. Mm. You know, like it's not going to be us buying tickets to do races. Mm. You know, so like if for their business model, and, and you know they're starting to make those relationships because we heard about that they signed up with uh, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously on GNC Plus and Eurosport, so they're getting it there, but. <sighs> it's hard, our sports are hard sport to make a product. Yeah, I agree. You know, but I think it's a step in the right direction to give it a crack. And the, the viewing of these view, the way people view things is just changing all the time. Again, sure, people aren't going to isn't it? Yeah. And can you make money off selling, uh, you know, five to ten minute highlights package? Um, 
I don't know if you can or not. But again, I just think the way that I watch they need at least. Yeah, like I'm interested in all sports, but I don't watch rugby league. But I'll keep I'll keep an eye on the results, and I might watch a little highlights package here and there. Yeah, how they generate income from somebody like me watching sport like that, I don't know. I'm not going to go pay for a subscription to Mm. to watch it. It's a bloody tricky one. How many people in your triathlon world do you think watched it? Uh, people who like triathlon. Yeah, not a not a huge amount in terms of start to finish you know I, I don't want to put a I think one thing they need to think about is if we look at the races that okay so we kind of go Joe Public we go sports lovers we go triathletes we go hardcore triathletes mm. and if we break down into that category well Joe Public's probably a while away mm. you know and there's a lot that needs to be done there sports lovers it's going to be a five-minute package, but we need mm. to get it to the level where they're interested at that level, like you with league, mm. you know, um, me with basketball. I don't really care for basketball. But finals, I'll kind of keep an eye on it. Um, so triathlon participants, mm-hmm. they've got to get that up. Mm. You know, you need to, you should have said everyone watched it, mm. you know, and so what does it make it, you know, because if we're thinking, right, now we, we'd sit in the hardcore. You'd sit more than me because I don't mm. watch a lot of triathlon, but you, you tend to watch most triathletes, big triathlons that happen every year, don't you? Mm. You know, yeah. now, maybe it's a training tool for you, mm. but a lot of people spend their time on indoor bikes now. So, now, first year, so you've got to give them a break, but what creates the history? You know what I mean? And what creates the story of each race? And, you know, like, I think what they've got to do is each race has to have a real unique angle. Mm. You know, like, I don't know, maybe there is like an Alpdoes type of one where it's a bit crazy, you know, so that each race has this kind of crazy story that draws people in, at least, and at least at this stage, we should be getting. The, the everyday triathlete and the hardcore and maybe the interest of the sports lover. Well, I think what they're doing a really good job of is getting us to know the athletes a lot yep. better. Yeah. And this is where Drive to Survive is just sensational, yeah. you know. And if you, that is the gold standard. Now, one bloody driver is probably the whole budget of triathlon worldwide. And also, every sport's trying it now. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of competition for that yeah. type of stuff. But I feel like now, I know a lot of the athletes a lot better than what we're used to, yep. and you're more engaged in them. And so, again, with Formula One, I don't really sit down and watch a Formula One race. I watch Drive to Survive, and I'm interested in the results. Um, again, how do you generate income from that, though, from somebody like me? So, well, I imagine Drive to Survive is the only way. Yeah. But I imagine it does draw a, a certain level of people who'd watch races now. Mm. You know, and, I, and I guarantee probably get more um, people going to the races in the areas. Mm. So, look... Uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose that's what I'm interested in is because I do think great races have great history, mm. but also great races tend to have a bit of an angle. So, mm. like you think of road, it's the crowds. Mm. You know, road, road is the atmosphere. Kauai's is a crazy race. Um, St. George was the scenery. St. George is dramatic. Um, what's that one that, that's not an Ironman race that you, got, you went to and it's crazy? Um, Almere or something? Ember um, uh, yeah, Man. Ember Man. You yeah. know, so I think each of these four different races. The needs to have something that's a different selling point. Mm. And maybe one is a different format race. But like tennis, you've got grass, you've yeah, got hardcore, yeah. you've got clay, and you've got four, you know, four different Because sorts. realistically, I don't know if this course is the right course. Mm, I yeah, totally agree with that. You know, like it, it's not that great as a visual. It kind mm-hmm. of looks like a Sunday run. Um, it's, not that, it's not that challenging, mm. you know. And yeah, what draws us in? And to me, what mm. draws us in is great stories. Mm. You know, and at this stage... You know, again, it's it's early days, and we want them to do well. But 
I'm not quite sure is a product that's quite there yet. What I will say is if you're a participant looking for a race to do, I had an email in from Dallin Evanson, who was out there racing. Oh, great. He said it was awesome. Oh, really? The cool thing is, on the Sunday, you get to race Sunday morning, and then you get to sit around and watch the pros race, because yeah. they had the age group race first, and then the, the, the pro men afterwards. That's great. So I would really encourage and that's he said cool. the overall package, really well organized, lots of goodies. He just said it was it was a great event. Did um, many people do it? Uh, I heard them on the commentary saying they had about seven hundred in okay. the in the sort of half Ironman, which yeah. is decent. Plus they had a sprint and things like that. So did they do a half Ironman? Or did they well, do they did the, the same distance yeah, okay, yeah, um, yeah. as that. So yeah. Look. We did get one email from Chris Moss. He says, Hey guys, just wanted to have a little rant about the PTO coverage of the Canadian Open. Why is it that the that Europe and the Indian subcontinent have to pay a subscription to watch it on Eurosport or GCN and the rest of the world seemingly gets to watch it for free on the PTO Plus app. Not a great way to build your coverage. Yeah, so I guess people do want free coverage. I think a lot of people have Eurosport or GCN Plus. So if you don't know what GCN Plus is, that's a, a cycling platform um, that covers you know, pretty much all the races. Pretty, relatively inexpensive to have those two. Um, one of the guys I coach said it's about £40 a year to have Eurosport. So I kind of feel the same in New Zealand. A lot of our sport goes on Sky Sport. Yep. Um, and I get it, but I, I get Chris's yeah. point because, sure, if you've got Sky, it's great. And it is only 40 bucks. Yeah. But if you're getting everyone else in the world's getting it for free. Yeah. But I, 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 long term, it's going to be everyone's meant to be paying, I, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. Or you get a VPN. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to pay for that as well. Uh, yeah, can, can this be protected until we talked about this stuff? Yeah, I think we've, we've covered all that. Okay. So, Is it a game changer? I think for the athletes, it really is because oh, massive money. Um, and harder racing. Yeah. And look, if we, I know we know there was a few athletes that went there, but it wasn't. It was mainly because they were injured. It was a championship quality field. It was champion, yeah. And yeah. if we get to see more and more of this, you know, it means I'm gonna. It's gonna an extra triathlon. I'm gonna watch each year, as opposed. To, I'm not gonna sit there and watch an Ironman now coverage of just you know three people going head to head. So um, it's a it's one extra race that I'd watch. One question I have is, do you think it's gonna make better athletes? Because particularly long course athletes, they kind of only have two challenging days a year mm. and when we think about challenging days when you know one thing that we know is if we put people in more challenging environments more often they tend to get higher level mm. now in the Ironman world Kona 7.3 world champs mm. and most other races they go to that's two or three so it's not that challenging Yeah. whereas now we're going to see these athletes competing high against higher level athletes seven to eight times a year absolutely well, I just think it, it means there's a future for you know the athletes that come out of especially short course racing it's like i'm not going to give up there's a there's there's a viable amount of money here where i can actually make a living and i don't have to do a, a you know million other things and part time jobs and stuff you know they are starting to make reasonable sort of money and it's you're not just living on the bones of your ass so i think it will raise the standard sort of you know over time yeah, yeah, totally. It's good. Uh, okay, Ironman Lake Placid happened over the weekend as well. What happened there, Jombo? I didn't watch any of the coverage, so we're really just looking at the results here. But Sarah True uh, took that out, so she's 40 now. Um, she swam 55, biked a 4.55, ran a 3.04.06. Probably should have gone 21 seconds quicker, and then she would have <laughs> broken the nine-hour barrier. But still, uh, when you're winning by 16 minutes over Heather Jackson, uh, there's not a lot of pressure to really push it to the line. So good to see her going back to Kona. Um, Heather Jackson 
Jackson was in second place. Probably won't be thrilled with a 3.13 on the run, but uh, clipped the ticket there, and Jody Robertson was third. I think Heather Jackson already had a slot, so Sarah True and Jody Robertson will take that out. Um, I looked on tryrating.com, and he said there were some fast bike times out there. I will talk about the boys in a minute, but Michael Weiss was four minutes quicker than a record set last year, and Heather Jackson improved last year's bike course record by Lisa Norden by three minutes. Um, Both ended up in second place. And Sarah Sarah True uh, set a new course, overall course record by being just over nine hours with nine hours and 21 seconds. Cody Bills took out the boys race in a 50s 33, a 4.33 and then a 2.46 in front of Michael Weiss who again broke that world, the race record on the bike but couldn't quite back it up on the run. And uh, then third place. Third place. Oh, thanks yeah, for throwing that one to me. Pamphil Perrion was in third place in 8.23. Looks to me like Justin Metzler was actually leading off the bike. He rode a 4.26 uh, along with a 50 minute and 31 second, but then succumbed to a 3.05 marathon. Uh, so lost a lot of time on the run. So he'll be disappointed with that, but he was in fourth place. Matt Russell still going along in fifth place. Okay, the big announcement coming out this week which is what will be the teams for the Collins Cup that is happening in August. Uh We'll talk a bit more, probably a bit more about this yeah. weekend, but the next week because then they'll actually be announced. But it's going to be some really interesting picks because, uh, on, in terms of Europe, what you got to say, Jan's not actually picked automatically because he hasn't really done any racing. Is it how is he? Do we know who he is? He's getting better. I'll be, he, I don't think he'll be racing. He's just going to try to get right for Kona, you would think. Yeah, um, I, I think it's his last Kona. That's yeah. my prediction. And uh, Beckengard and Laidlaw also um, are probably in the mix. Daniel Beckengard has shown he's a top quality athlete, but he's not an automatic pick. So remember with the Collins Cup, it's six athletes per region, um, and the top four automatically picked via the rankings, but then there's two um, wildcard picks. So yeah, I'd say it'd probably be Beckengard and maybe Laidlaw might be the other one, And assuming they don't pick Jan, a yarn, and Brownlee's not in there either. On the female side... And, and he, won't be to, he wouldn't be up to it. I wouldn't, if I was captain, I wouldn't be picking him. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the female side in Europe, Emma Pallant-Brown isn't an automatic pick, but they could pick probably down to their bloody 20th person and they're still going to have a, a rock-solid female team. Uh, the American side of things, the boys are not looking particularly strong. No. Um, you probably go Ben Canute or West or perhaps Colin Cartier, but none of them are, are going to be setting the world on fire, I don't think, against it, the Europeans. Uh, Sarah True would be a good pick for the for the American team, and she could take the place. Last year they picked Katie Zaveris, who's a short course specialist, so she might take that place. Um, and then the internationals, the ones that put their hands up over the weekend, was Aaron Royal, definitely. Um, and then you kind of got a toss-up between um, Kyle Smith and Sam. Sam Appleton, and I really hope they pick Flora Duffy in the international team because the internationals and the Americans need every bit of help they could uh, have, and Flora Duffy would be an awesome pick. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. It's, it's happening in the next, by the time this comes out, it might even be out. It's in the next sort of one to two days that the team captains have to make those picks. How long is it going to be before we bring Great Britain to the international team? Sorry? Well, yeah. It would make things more interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's, unfortunately, it's just a bit of a one-horse race. Yeah. So, you know, like... But it, it is. When, when you actually look at it, you, you go, yes, Europe are going to win, but there's quite a few lineups there where the Americans have got a chance and the, you know, the, the internationals, like you go, Ashley Gentle, with that performance at the weekend, 
she could pretty much take on anybody and if she performed like that, she's going to be in with a chance. If she's up against Daniela Reef, you know, you'd think, oh, that might be a pretty close race. If she's up against the sixth ranked European, you're going to go, oh, you're going to smoke her. So there's, there's a few matchups there that could be quite good. And as we saw last year, you know, some athletes excelled, some athletes um, didn't do very well at all. So, yeah, I think definitely think Europe are going to win it oh, yeah, and win yeah. it convincingly, but I think we'll get a few surprises. Okay, uh, let's go on to the next segment of the show, which is multi-year naming right for Ironman. So Vinfast, the world's first automotive manufacturer to completely switch from internal combustion engines to electric vehicles, and Ironman have announced a global partnership for Vinfast to become the first ever naming rights partner of Ironman and the Ironman 2022 World Championships and 23, 70.3 World Championships, continuing through to 2025. Fincraft, geez, we're doing the PR release here, aren't we? Well, I've never heard of them before. So that's why Vincraft, um, basically a Vietnamese company, part of the Vin Group, and oh, Vin Group. envisaged to drive the movement of global smart electric vehicle revolution. They were established in 2017, bloody new company, um, and they own a state-of-the-art automotive manufacturing complex with global leading scalability that boasts up to 90% automation in Haiphong in Vietnam. Yeah, I know we just read sort of some of the stats, there was some of the stuff they sent through. I'd never heard of Vinfast before. I think this is kind of a cool connection where we're going to have a, um, you know, some a sort of a green connection. Apparently they're going to supply lots of vehicles and stuff for, for events as well. Uh, and I just think, you know, if there's extra money in there, You'd hope that it's going to trickle down to us athletes, um, and yeah, it's a surely. Multi- yeah, surely. Uh, I mean, I've always done that, <laughs> but it's a multi-year agreement. And Here's a question: hmm. When will you go electric? I want to go electric now. If I had the money, they're bloody expensive still. So I'm going to check out Vinfast and <laughs> no, <laughs> the PR's worked. I would uh, jump on an electric vehicle straight away if I had the money. Yeah, money. It's all about the money. It's all about the. Okay, coming up, we've got Apple to Wiz, one of the classic triathlons within the year. I'm going to be intrigued to see Alpe d'Huez because Sam Long is racing and we know he's an absolute weapon over 70.3 distance um, but it's different being a weapon compared to riding up against the Europeans oh, yeah. when you're going up and down mountains so I'll be intrigued to see how he goes there don't know who, who's racing. Any but, other uh, randoms? I've got no idea who's racing. No, no random races? No no other random races okay. this weekend, a very quiet weekend. But we do have the Commonwealth Games so for those who aren't in the Commonwealth countries we have an event every four years Called the Commonwealth Games, and it's should, it should be a great try race. So the try is on it's on Friday in the UK, uh, which is Friday night for us. So Kiwis, the men's race is on at ten o'clock at night, and the women's is in the middle of the night. So I'm going to stick around and watch the, the but it should the races should be great uh, on both the males and females. You got some you got the Kiwis, the Aussies, and all of the Great Britain athletes um, plus Flora Duffy. And yeah, it should be some some really awesome racing, and there'll be a mixed relay. Don't know what day that is, but it'll be some stage next week. Okay, let's get into this week's discussion. So last week we were talking about should remember we got that email through from somebody saying how the they went to the Kona slot roll down. It literally got to like fortieth in the age group. No one took it. I think it even went to the next age group. So is it kind of cheapening the Kona? No, seventy point three because that's been a problem for a long time. But actually, the Ironman World Championships, if the roll-down goes too long, should it actually be restricted that, for example, they only roll down to a certain level, so you've got to finish within 10% of the first place together in your age group or so on. And we opened a can of worms here. Okay, you go first, John. Mick Simpson, no, but they, they, 
But if they continue to roll down a long way, maybe Ironman need to think about doing something different. Uh, Daniel Parlane, uh, McParlane, sorry. Uh, keep rolling down until you find someone who can afford to go. Fill the race. Why would you keep additional slots spare and not fill them? Rob Bing, only roll down to the top five, even if people don't want the slots in each age group. will mean there will be less people in Kona, less drafting and a better race, but less cash for Ironman. That's your final point there, Rob. The last point is the important one. Less cash. All more legacies get to go. Because mm. there's a pretty lot. I know the last couple of years, there's probably a pretty huge queue for legacy now, isn't there? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Tom Ward, outcomes relative to the rest of the field are fundamentally circumstantial. An individual's ability to be faster than others is also not entirely within their control. However, one's attitude and behavior, oh, wait a second, this is way bigger than I thought it was going to be. One attitude and behavior is completely controllable. Giving an opportunity to those who have prepared as diligently as others, who have done all they can to be their best athletic version of themselves on the day, and who race with pride, dignity, and in support of others is entirely appropriate and far more aligned with the real power the sport can offer a society that is sometimes disproportionately distracted by an elitist culture. She's gone deep here. It's bloody, it's the world champs though. That's what, that's what a lot of people's argument's going to be. It's the world champs. Yep, and he's got to suggest that faster athletes deserve more opportunity and arbitrary chose uh, a roll down limit to values the journey so many inspirational athletes are on. I share, I love sharing my any course with any athlete who has done it they can. Yeah, mm. yeah. I got yeah, okay, let's go. Deep yeah. uh, we've got a couple here that, that basically saying have a percentage rule there. So um, Andy Fulham, Fordham says uh, have a percentage rule. So you need to be percentage of either the winner or whatever. Um, Glenn McSkimming says a similar thing. Xavier Coppot, uh says yes, 100% they should uh, should be no deeper than 10th place in his opinion. So that's as far as you go. Good old Dean and Debbie Kirkham has got, uh, or has Kona lost its appeal? Have Ironman screwed it up? I don't think that's right. But Dennis Mass has got let it roll down. Everyone works hard at training and preparing for an Ironman race. Go way back to what the founders of Ironman believed in. Everyone still has to perform on race day. Not everyone can race an Ironman year in after year trying to for a slot. Legacy is crazy with the race requirements. Age and physical demands of the race require an older triathlete must be selective as to when and how often they try to get a slot. I'm trying. Jeez, are you just picking the longest one? <laughs> he's trying. He's trying to get outlive those in his age group. Yeah. Seventy plus in twenty twenty five. He's got one more chance to dream. John uh, Minson Muncy. Uh, the only justification to limiting the roll down is if Iron Man were to use the unallocated slots for legacy athletes so that more of them have the opportunity to go to Kona. My fear, though, is Iron Man would not do this and simply use it as a ploy to sell more experience packages, etc., um, e.g. the executive slash CEO corporate challenge. Dean Goff's got no, you turn up, you get the slot boils. Rob Dallymore's got, um, I'd like to see more slots allocated to Southern Hemisphere races like Australia, New Zealand, South Australia, where the options for racing are far more limited. Northern Hemisphere races have abundance of races, so loads more slots. Certainly in New Zealand, in New Zealand races and Australian races, there are some very fast athletes missing out on spots and not able to travel further afield to try for races. It's a good point. It's a good point, but then the, what I would say with that, I'd be really interested to have a look at old Russell Cox. I'm not sure if he still does it or not, but how hard different races are to qualify. Like, yeah. we, you know, on a population basis, we might go, oh, yeah, we should have more slots down here. But in Europe, maybe the population is, is so much greater that it's, it does actually work out fair. I don't know. Um, I'll do Nick Hutchison. I bet there'll be a few people kicking themselves that they didn't attend the ceremony in Bolton this year. So it sounds like 
the same thing might have happened in Bolton this year. Tony Frost has got. I don't see what would um, that would, would sorry. I don't see what that would gain anyone. The slots go to the fastest athletes that want it. And so remember the question is, should Ironman limit how far the Kona qualifying slots roll down for age groupers? And we did have a few people that gave a one-word answer, just said no, so don't limit it. Peter Mills said that, Pavel Chalice said that as well. So a few people just saying no, just let it be. Your thoughts, John? Well, I think it's going to be a one-year problem. Um, but you? Yeah, be- because, uh, purely because they're having the two-day format, there's so many more slots oh, okay, than, yeah. than usual. Yeah, okay, so. I don't think this is going to be a long-term problem. So yeah, I think they've been able to do that this year. Like, do you think this introduces the idea that we can have more of it? To have a two-day format. Yeah. Like, why have they got away for this year? Uh, because I think they've got a massive backlog. Yeah, That's but the main reason. Why can't they do, they do it next year? Because, firstly, you okay, can't. Because I get logistically why I mean want to do it, but you've always said Kona people don't want it two days. Well, I don't think they would do. And if you qualify now, you can't get any accommodation. It's just not oh, big enough. Oh, okay. If you want to go to Kona now, and I did say this last week, you got to seriously have a consi- consider where you're going to stay. There is no accommodation left in Kona unless you're willing to pay an absolute fortune, or if you want to go down to Waikoloa, which is 50 k's away, where there's still no accommodation. Well, the accommodation is still really, really expensive. So I don't think it, it's sustainable well, to have it. Kona twice. people would like that, wouldn't they? Mm, the people who own the hotels and the, the stuff would. Brings more people, like, I get that it's the inconvenience of two days for people on the island, mm. but two days of people, way more money. Yeah. I, 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 for us, you'd go, no-brainer. But for Joe Bloggs on the street, bugger this, my, I'm going to be in two weeks of gridlock here, yeah. and I'm going to take me ages to get to work, all those things. I think, I think most people, they'll be okay with it, but there'll be a lot that'll be pretty pissed off. So I, um, I guess my opinion on it is that if this continued... Um, further down the track, which I don't think it would. You know, normally you go to race and you do occasionally get that one that might roll down to say tenth to fifteenth, and that's kind of cool. I like that. But when it rolls out of control and they just go, "Does anybody want to go to Kona?" To me, that really does de- yeah. devalue the experience. So uh, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of it rolling, but if it happened often, I kind of would like to see it maybe not going any lower than say. 20th or some arbitrary number like that um, or, or some sort of percentage um, but at the same time I like it when it does roll and it does create quite a bit of excitement yeah I agree I, I agree when it's kind of one slot and a couple age groups mm. you know when you turn up to the roll down there's a couple age groups where shit no one's here you know yeah. that one person gets it that, that's kind of cool but if it's got to where 70.3 was that's ridiculous which, which it's not going to let's be honest mm. you know where 70.3 is turn up you're going to get one kind of thing um it is it, it makes the race lose its aura mm. um so but i also like if let's say it did get to that point let's say they could make it happen over two days long term i actually like you just reduce the legacy so you might say oh right I you see. know so legacy doesn't have to do 12 races over a certain period of time it, you do eight yeah and it might just be that year depending on how you might go okay by june we know how many slots we have left if you have done eight, you can get your legacy for this year. Mm. You know, now really it's inconvenient for those people because they don't have the runway. But I, you know, like let's let's get the backlog down. Mm. You know, so that, that would be my only thing I'd say about it. This week's discussion: What was the good and the bad from the PTO Canadian Open in terms of format and coverage? Here we go, John. By your quiz, yeah. So we're focusing on Canada this week because it was the PTO race hey. in Edmonton, and hey. uh, and I was just thinking. When was the first Ironman Canada? So it's returning to Penticton this year. 
When was the first race? Okay, there we go. Uh, website of the week. week. The doco's out, team. The doco's out. We've got a couple of docos. The first doco is the doco for the sub seven, sub eight. Have you watched it? I have not watched it yet, um, but I enjoyed the coverage of the full race. Yeah. So I will be watching that at some stage on the train. How long is it? Uh, I think it was like f- uh, f- 45, 50 minutes okay, or something in that 54. region. 54. 54. Yep. Uh, and also Ironman came out this week with their doco from St. George. So that's you know the coverage of the pro race plus all the, the side stories and that is out this week. So if you need some content for being on the trainer, two good things coming out um, this week, both on YouTube. Okay, here's a question for you. Both came out. What date did this come out? Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Yeah. So this one came out on, have they got the date there? The, um, wait a second. Don't look, don't uh, look. No, the Ironman one came out on the, I think the twenty fourth. I got the oh, email last week. Okay. I don't know. I think everyone came out on the eighteenth. Yeah. What do you reckon's had more views? I would have assumed the Ironman one. No, no. It's only eighteen thousand views. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's only two days ago, but you think that would have got more than that, eh? Hmm. You know, and, and the sub seven, sub eight documentary said twenty one thousand views, but it has had six days on them. Hmm. But I would have thought. You know, like Jeepers Creepers, lots of people get hundreds of thousands of views on, on yeah. YouTube. So, um, okay, well, you'll, I'm sure you'll watch them, so give us the update. Okay, we've got an interview. We have. We're talking to Florian Angert. As you're going to hear, he finished fifth at the St. George World Championships. Outstanding performance. And often, you know, you get German athletes um, that get lost in the system a little bit because of, you know, you've got Frodo and you've got Keenlay and you've got um, Langer and you've got every other Tom, Dick and Harry. Um, but when you get fifth at the World Championships, that was awesome. So nice to hear from some Germans. Okay, here we go. Okay, team, um, we have got another European athlete on the show today, uh, currently ranked ninth on the PTO rankings. Uh, was an awesome fifth place at the World Championships in St. George earlier this year. Um, and from what I could see, in his first Ironman at Barcelona in 2019, I think it was the first one, went 7.39 to take the win, but unfortunately has not been able to do Kona yet because uh, because of all the COVID disruptions. So it's uh, Florian Anger, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Nice to meet you and thanks for having me on the show. Um, Give us some German geography. Tell us where, where you're from and, and if your your part of the country is, is famous for anything. Um, I'm, I live in Heilbronn or in a city close to Heilbronn, um, which is uh, about an hour away from Heidelberg and one hour away from like north of Stuttgart. Right. Um, so it's in the southern part of Germany. And I would say the region is famous for uh, wine. Yeah, nice. Actually, yeah. It's, <laughs> I do a lot of runs either in the forest or close to the uh, vineyards, like next to the forest. So that's actually, I think, yeah, that's the most famous part of <laughs> our region. Excellent. Uh, on your website, I saw you did your first triathlon in 2012. Uh, tell tell yeah, us about that correct. experience. Um, yeah, I have a background as a former competitive swimmer. So I started swimming when I was six years old and, um, yeah, uh, swam like up to eight times a week. Um, was in part of the junior national team um, when I was 18 or 19 years old. So um, that is actually my, my background. So I kind of do competitive sports since yeah actually I'm six yeah. <laughs> six years old so 
Um, and then when I finished school, I also stopped swimming. Um, and kind of by coincidence, um, yeah, jumped into triathlon and the whole swim by ground thing and uh, raced my first um, triathlon, yeah, back in 2012, actually 10 years ago. It's quite <laughs> quite a long time ago. Um, yeah, and it was, um, I didn't, like the first triathlon was Olympic distance race and it was, we have a local triathlon series. It's um, the BASF triathlon cup and um, former winners of that cup are Sebastian Kienle and Timo Brach, Norman Stadler and um, guys like that. And that was, um, yeah, my first race was um, the first race of that series. And it was quite, it went quite well, actually. I think in the end, I came 17, to be honest, and I couldn't really enjoy the whole race and after race experience because I lost my timing chips somewhere. <laughs> and I, I think I searched it for one hour until I finally found it, but that kind of destroyed a little bit my after race experience. But <laughs> and the race um, overall was good. So um, I think in out of the start wave, I was in the sixth of seventh uh, start wave, wave, and I think only one guy caught me on the bike. Um, so that was quite quite good. And I think at three other races that year and. Um, yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I also already enjoyed the training before because, you know, I mean, as a competitive swimmer, you either train in 25 meter or 50 meter pool. And um, then you go out for a run when you do triathlon training and go biking and um, you see a lot of <laughs> other things in the world and yeah. actually also experience some, yeah, meet new people and just you really can really enjoy the nature and the landscape in your in the area where you live but from a completely other side so i think i've been to places um or to cities or small villages um where i wouldn't have been without riding a bike or running so it's actually quite nice it, it um it only took you from what i could see three years before you started racing pro um given yeah. you had a, a swimming background were you tempted to you know race a short more short course and and sort of try the the world triathlon series because it, it seemed like you did uh long course um more or less straight away um yes as i said like the first triathlon was 2012 then i had quite a good season more like based or focused on um yeah yeah, uh, more on like drafting, um, drafting races, um, but also always uh, had in mind like I was strong in the swim and I was strong on the bike already, um, like straight away when I started triathlon. But um, I was missing uh, some speed on the run, and yeah, but we have like in in Germany we have sixteen states and we have a different leagues of like different triathlon leagues in every state. Um, and I raced in the, like, the first league of our state, which is called Baden-Württemberg. Um, so it was the first Baden-Württemberg triathlon uh, league. There I raced in a team and I think I got third overall in like the whole series. And that was like 
a mix between sprint events, one team event, and I think two Olympic distance races, but um, drafting was allowed. Mm. Um, and after that, um, after that season was finished, I raced the Frankfurt City triath uh, Triathlon, um, obviously in Frankfurt, yeah. <laughs> um, in Sebikinle um, in that year, 2013. I think he was reigning 70.3 world champion at that time. Um, he also raced there and I jumped out of the water and like one minute in front of him him and I expected him to pass me on the bike and I think everyone else expected him to pass me on the bike but he actually didn't so I jumped uh, I held the gap one minute and jumped one minute ahead of him off the bike and then of course he caught me on the run and I came in third in the end but that was kind of my I would say break breakthrough because after that um, Benke Kuyala from Erdinger Alkoholfrei um, called me and they had kind of a uh, or they still have a development team um, and they would and then she asked if they uh, that they would um, really would be really happy to have me on the team and that was actually back in 2014 so on the 1st of January 2014 um, that's like where I would say I started racing as a pro um, because it was part of the agreement entering the team I um, have to turn pro to um, be part of the uh, national anti-doping mm. um, and to get all the testing done. Um, and then it took me uh, two years. I was three years part of the team, of the development team. And then 1st of January 2017 is where I would say, or if you ask me, that's the year or that's the date where I really start racing pro because then I was part of, I became part of adding a pro triathlon team, which also like uh, the Raylard brothers and now Patrick Lange and Nils Fromholt and mm -hmm. Daniela Bleimel are racing in. And that was when I really like uh, started earning money with the sport. So um, I was, it was possible for me to make a living out of triathlon to earn money with the sport and that was like the first time i really um yeah i would say like i raced pro since 2017 so, so um, um how, how big is that the erdinger team because from the spectators we as you said we see you racing we see um patrick langer in your full blue outfits um andreas yeah. <laughs> how, how big is yeah. the team um yeah, it's a bit, uh, we have Andy, Patrick, Niels, me and Fred Funk as the male pros. Mm -hmm. um, then we have Daniela and Daniela Bleimel and Caroline Lerida as the female pros. And then there are four guys, uh, two, two guys and two girls in the uh, development team at the moment. So nice. that sounds up to 11, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So th this year, um, you know, the world champs, it was the, well, it was the 2021 world champs in 2022 uh, in St. George. Yeah. We, we, we yeah. all knew it was going to be a tough course and a, and a different climate yeah. to what a lot of people have done before. Did you do yeah. anything different with your preparation for that event compared to what you may have done for, for other iron distance races? Um. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, 
uh, I was kind of lucky to have raced um, 7.3 St. George before. So, and I trained there for two weeks. Um, and so I knew the whole course already. And I knew kind of like the temperatures at that time of the year. And um, that it's more like a dry heat. I mean, I've never been to Hawaii, but everything I heard of is that it's like more humid and uh, not as dry as, as it was in St. George. But um, I didn't do like a, I did a bit of heat adaptation, but uh, that came more by riding indoors at home because in that time of the year like in spring in germany it's more like you can ride outside but um there's always the chance that the weather is that bad that you have to ride indoors and that was kind of my heat training um and i really did um what i really practiced was like running uphill and downhill like also doing not like also fart leg stuff or race um specific intervals on the run i did also like on a slight gradient or like on slight downhills to really practice um, running uphill and downhill um, because I think that was, yeah, the really, uh, let me see, the really difficult part about the marathon that it was either uphill or downhill, not really flat. Um, that was like more the, yeah, actually that was the most specific stuff I did for mm. St. George. We um we obviously saw the race and and you, yourself yeah. and a couple of others got a small break in the swim um and then yeah. you rode away on the bike and and you held that gap which was quite surprising to to a lot of people um we know you guys are, are really strong yeah. on the bike but when you've got guys like Cam Worth and Lionel Sanders trying yeah. to chase you down <laughs> normally we would expect them to ride up but they they didn't yeah so how was your your power output and your effort compared to other iron distance races were, were you smashing it or it's just it would just worked really well because you had a small group um yeah I think uh, to get back to your question, actually, we were also, at least I was, uh, I was also quite surprised that we could hold the gap like to five minutes because it was actually, that's what you said. Like if you have, if you know that Cameron Wolf and Sanders and Sibi Kinle are riding behind you in a group, then you expect them that they just, yeah, get closer and closer and at least catch you at whatever, 100K or 120K. But so, but hearing the, I think we heard the gap of like five minutes at 100k or 120k when we went up the uh, that gradient or that climb in Snow the Canyon. city. Yeah, no, before in in uh, Bayo. Yeah, uh, that's like the north, most north part of the course. And there, I heard that it was like five. I think it was maybe even more. But I was quite surprised at that point. And um, I mean, I really struggled the first 100k because Kyle and Sam Laidlow were really pushing the pace in front and they did that like for almost 100k and the course was always up and down it was when a really like flat section so you always had to push and when you're riding in a group you know like the first one is always the first one can ride steady but all people behind him have to react on his pace and also have to react on either if he's riding uphill or downhill um, um, and that was kind of yeah, maybe not as 
not the kind of racing I like to do, but I knew I had to stay in the group and I like was in first or fifth position at that time till 100k. Um, try to go in first position when there was the longer climb because I think the I said to myself, okay, the worst part that can happen is I go in first in the hill and other it's too slow for for the other guys in the group, so they pass me and then I'm fifth on top. So mm-hmm. actually. I don't have to react on every on attacks or something. So I go first. And if it's too slow for the other guys, they have to pass me. But then I can just ride a little bit longer, my steady pace. So, um, and they really pushed it to 100 or 120K. And then, um, yeah, I tried not really try to push it in Snow Canyon, um, but I just try to go in first Snow Canyon. Uh, into Snow Canyon, and um, that's what I just said, just to ride there steady because I knew that um, it might be the best chance to ride it up steady on a steady pace uh, that, rather than pushing it up. And um, because I knew that there was the headwind down like the last 20k back to the city of St. George, and um, I knew that when I go, yeah, when I ride my pace or my the pace I talked to my coach about before, um, then uh, it might be good for me. And if it's too slow for the others, then they can pass me. But actually it turned out they, I think <laughs> maybe in a way they were happy that I rolled up in front because they didn't pass me. So yeah, I had a bit of fa- moment of fame. Excellent. Leading the Um, world champs. Did did you guys, (laughs) did you guys communicate much on the bike um, in terms of uh, saying, come on, we've got a good gap here or did you just, you were just doing it? Um, I think, yeah, that was more like for the first 10 K just when we knew, okay, who's in the group, um, how's the gaps because after 10 K there was a turnaround um, and then out in, or it was an out and back section after 10k there was a turnaround and there that was the point where we really saw like who's in the second group who's, who's in the third group um, who's chasing alone I think at that, at that time it was only Christian who's, who, who was chasing alone and that was the point where we tried to communicate a bit and just say okay like we go have um, yeah five to ten minute turns mm. um, each um, just to keep keep it going, but um, yeah, as I said before, Sam and uh, Kyle actually pushed like the first 100k. So <laughs> young guy, really young guys got of, excited. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. And so there was not a real, not a lot of talking, like how we should do it or who's going when uh, and who's going in front at what time. Um, so we just did it actually. So you're at the end of the bike ride, you're coming off the bike. There's uh, yeah. Yeah, four, four or five of you. Yeah, it's, you're at the front of the World yeah. Championships. What's, what's going through yeah. your mind and, and what's your strategy for the run? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you were really, I was really tired <laughs> uh, because it was kind of, I had uh, 2,300 meters of climbing, I think, and it started getting to get, like warmer and warmer um so first thing i was quite happy being jumping off the bike and then being kind of in the lead or at least in the lead group and just put your shoes on and um try to drink drink something and then 
um, which was actually the hardest part because it like the run started in like a two to three percent gradient uphill. That was actually the hardest part to just find your rhythm because normally you're used to running out of transition and then you have like two or three kilometers which are actually like flat. Yeah. So you can can get used to your own rhythm and f just find your rhythm by doing that in a world championship race up a two per two to three percent gradient is a bit harder <laughs> yeah. than than expected um yeah but it was all about i knew that the whole race was kind of a pacing race uh, and if you pace yourself properly it can really pay out in the end and that was also just the plan for the run just to start steady not too fast but also not too slow i think maybe kyle started a bit too fast <laughs> did he what uh, yeah <laughs> the first 10 15k um and i just saw him running and i was looking at my watch and say okay 350 that's also a bit too fast for me now and kyle was just running away from me yeah so maybe we see each other again but uh, yeah the plan was just to like to fuel properly uh, find the rhythm run at a steady pace and just keep running like no matter what happens just keep running and yeah then i mean there were guys like sanders and also sam long and christian blumenfeld who we knew of course that they can run fast and obviously the christian did a super fast run um but i mean the end is just about like running and it's a long day it's still a marathon 42.2k so it can happen everything so yeah it's just about starting and then run for 42.2k <laughs> so you did uh two 252 and managed to finish yeah. in sub sub eight hours 759 yeah. um how happy were you on a scale of one to ten with with that performance like the overall performance considering what happened during the run was yeah i mean it was 10 of 10 i think yeah it was everything i could do on that day and i prepared like in a good way and i was fit and i knew that on a almost perfect day that a top five result was possible and it was by far not perfect yeah. on that day and i still managed to get in fifth though at my first world championship race which was actually like two and a half years or one and a half years later than than i thought it would it would but um yeah i yeah, was just happy and i was i think i was never that relieved to reach the finish line and cross it and just to be there and finish the race and still i mean i did four ironman races now and all four under eight hours so kind of my personal right <laughs> the personal personal thing but um yeah i was quite happy when i saw that Oh, well. yeah, just managed to get to sneak across the finish line under it all. If you can keep the the sub eight hour record intact in Kona, uh, you'll you'll do very well. Um, in terms of your yeah. rate, your nutrition, um, what 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 yeah. do you have uh, for your nutrition before the race, and then what do you have during the race? Actually, before the race, um, doesn't matter if it's seventy point three Olympic distance or Ironman. It's actually just easy carbs like white bread a bit of jam honey just like sweet stuff um and which is easy to digest um then yeah obviously i drink 
drink water when it's a hot race. Um, I, I add some salt in the water, have one or two cups of coffee for breakfast. And um, when I'm in transition and like one hour 15 or one hour before the start, I start to drink a bit of yeah, isotonic drinks, like just water with carbs um, to yeah, just have a constant uh, blood sugar level. Um, and during the race, I just have, I have yeah, personal, personalized nutrition. So it's a personalized gel, which is um, personalized for me uh, for with a special amount of salt and carbs. And I use that also in training to get a feeling when I need it and how much I need. And that's actually my nutrition. So, um, and then in the race, I just um, rely on that and water and don't eat any bars or anything else um, when everything goes to plan. Yeah, I just need water and my personal yeah. nutrition and I have everything I need on my bike. And on the run, I have like one small bottle in the transition bag. And then as there's always personal needs on the run in a marathon, I um, switch that at around like half marathon. Mm. Excellent. So, what's the plan for the for the rest of this season? You've uh, you've done seventy point three Lanzarote, the World Champs uh, yeah. Challenge, Welshie. Uh, what's the what's the plan yeah. for the rest of the year? Um, the next races will be it's in almost two weeks. Seven point three Dresden in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, then three weeks after. If I should qualify for Collins Cup, then I will race Collins Cup. But if not, I will race the ITU Long Distance World Championships, which takes place the day after Collins Cup, also at the same place in Samarin. Um, and then I don't know yet if I race um, the PTO US Open in Dallas mm-hmm. on the way to Hawaii. Um, so that is like the original plan, but I don't know yet or i'm not sure if i should skip that and just concentrate on hawaii but um if you ask me to as you ask me today so i would say the pto use open on the way to hawaii so yeah. i'll go there one week early do the race and then two days after the race i will fly to hawaii and yeah. prepare for kona so what's your the, the feeling in Germany with regards to the, the PTO? Um, you're not doing the Canadian Open. Um, yeah, yeah, the Collins Cup, you're, I think you're currently ranked sixth uh, European athlete, which it's very, very hard to make the European team. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's the feeling in Germany amongst German athletes um, with regards to what the PTO is doing and, and the races they're setting up? Uh, I think in general, like the PTO is, it's super cool that we have it. Um, and also that they are setting up now them trying to set up the major events with the Canadian Open, US Open this year. And I think they will add up two more, I think Euro- European Open and Asian Open, I think next year. Mm. Um, that's quite, that's quite cool. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just a different, different kind of racing but i think it's it's a good way to add some races with quality and having a good like a strong profile there um and just like also the last years also during covid like in 2020 the pto really helped to 
I mean, they set up the uh, World Champs in Daytona and also paid the World Bonus ranking a um, little bit early, I think, uh, if I remember right, um, due to COVID and um, had the PTO supported events, which was really helpful because there were not a lot of, lot of races going on. So that really helped um, not only me, but I think also like, uh, yeah, every other pro. Um, so I think in general, that's just a cool thing that the PTO exists, that they are pushing the sport. And I think they really showed the potential, like the first time they showed the potential was back in 2020 when they set up the, uh, the Daytona race, the PTO World Champs. I think that was the first time when everyone or like the whole world could see what they are able to do and that it's actually yeah, stepping up the game of triathlon. Nice. A um, couple of random questions. Uh, when you're racing, do you have a power meter on your bike or are you racing by feel? No, of course I have a power meter. <laughs> Excellent. Not everyone does. Uh, what's your, your yeah, favorite, know, but... favorite race course around the world that you've done so far? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> no, actually, the fairest, like, if you, if you look at landscape, I think it was um, 70.3 yen shipping in Sweden uh, cool. back in 2018. That was uh, where I won my first. 70.3 race and that was like landscape wise it was awesome i really like the scandinavian countries it was just amazing to be there and picture perfect day Excellent. So i really like that course uh a couple of random ones do you wax or shave your legs i shave my legs good do you use any facial <laughs> facial moisturizer yeah, I have to actually, because <laughs> I think my, my skin is kind of destroyed after 10 Sorry. years of swimming and all the chlorine and stuff. It's, yeah, I really struggle with that, to be honest. <laughs> and if you wanted to do a, a fresh marathon, you know, say you gave yourself, you know, six months to train for a marathon, um, uh-huh. and what time do you think you might be able to do? Phew. Uh, don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe two. I never thought about that. To be honest. Yeah. Um, I think you'd be you'd be you'd be good for, think, for a two 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 twenty eight two twenty five. Yeah, maybe two twenty to two twenty five something like yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Um, some way to get that. <laughs> And anything that you want to pray, any sponsors or I know, you know, you're part of the Erding team, Erdinger team, which yeah. is really, if you go to Challenge Road, people, um, when I run the camp over there, we stay in Erding and the the, yeah. the, the beer factory is just around the corner yeah. from the hotel. It's great beer. Um, any, anything else uh, that you're doing that you, you wanted to uh, get out there? No, actually, I think I'm, um... Yeah, just in general, I mean, I'm quite happy to 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 have the sponsors I have now. It's, I think, a, quite a good lineup with cube bikes and the SRAM and Zippers components and, uh, yeah, selfish wetsuits. So just in general, I think I'm quite happy with my the equipment choices I have and the fast setup I have. And I'm really looking forward to, to show that uh, on Hawaii this year. 
Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And you've got a nice-looking cube bike. I like the look of that. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time and all the best for your, the rest of your season. And we look forward to hopefully you and Braden Curry and Kyle Smith and, uh, and you guys putting the pressure on again in Hawaii and making it a, a really interesting race. So all the best for, yeah. for the rest of your season. Thank you very much. And yeah, looking forward to Hawaii and finally racing there after... Yeah. Three years after I qualified. <laughs> ah, it's um, be yeah, will be will be a good run. And yeah, really looking forward to that. Okay, John, your thoughts? Yes, great, nice guy, and bloody great athlete. And as I said at the before we did the intro, it's pretty tough if you're a German athlete to to sort of get your head above the shoulders. But look, the good dude has done. How many? I did this interview last week, but he's been sub eight for all his Ironmans. Jeez. If he can do that again in Kona, that's going to be a pretty awesome performance. Uh, so, God, I hope we have a, a great race in Kona where we have a similar scenario to what we did in St. George, where you get a good break going up the road, and, and the likes of Blumenfeld and Eden, and maybe, you know, if you get Frodo in that break and they have like maybe five minutes, yeah. and then these guys have got to run them down. I think there's a lot of potential for a, a, a wicked race in Kona this year on the boys' side of it. And if there is, you'd think Florian Angert's going to be amongst it. It's going to be, it, Kona's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like the passing of the guard, mm-hmm. you know. Like I do think uh, I'm not saying Frodo's retiring, but I kind of see this as his last chance. Mm. Um, so you got this legend of the game who still could potentially win it. Oh yeah, but you have got these young whippersnappers who are coming through who they'll cramp up just like they did last oh, weekend. There you go. Yep. There you go. <laughs> okay, let's talk about our sponsor, John Form Goggles. Went out for a swim this morning, so uh, this is brought to you by Form Goggles. Check them out at formswim.com. Uh, use the promo code IM, IM15 for $15 off. So Form is now a subscription-based product, uh, so you get your goggles plus you get a subscription, and part of that subscription means you have access to their, their plans and their workouts. So firstly, you've got plans, um, and when, it's like buying an online plan for, for a triathlon. You can pick, you know, uh, they've got a sprint distance, Olympic distance, half, Ironman, and the sessions are going to vary from sort of 1 to 4K plus. And then there's, they've got a few other little pr- um, plans in there as well, like improve your pace or recharge and recover. They've got kick sets and so on. So you can go on a plan and you can just download that and however many sessions you want to do a week, two or three weeks, uh, two or three sessions a week, and boom, you've got all your workouts. It'll be nicely periodized and structured for you. Um, the other alternative, uh, they've also got a workout library and this is what I used this morning. Uh, so you can go in there and you can choose what type of session you want to do using the filter. Uh, so that you can do an endurance session, sprint, technique, and so on. And then you can choose, okay, I want a short, medium, or long, or extra long session. And then you can choose what sort of intensity you want in there as well, sort of easy, moderate, and so on. So this morning when I was picking a little session for our group, I wanted to go for a long session, uh, and that gives you the option of 2.5 to 3.9 Ks, or might be up to 4 Ks. Uh, and when I did that, I was surprised how many workouts there were. Oh, really? I put that into filter, there was 295 workouts Jeez. that were 2.5 to 3.9 Ks. So then I, um, I thought, well, we want a more of an endurance-based swim. We're kind of in winter at the moment. When I clicked that, it went dropped down to 122 workouts, which is still a lot. And then I said I want an endurance session with some moderate intensity, and that took it down to 90 workouts. Um, so that is a 
big library in there. Uh, so was this your workout you've got here? This is what you this so, what I did. It's a John Swimset. John Swimset. Brought to you by form. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this, the session we did was called Alternating Efforts. Uh, here we go. It was 200 metres freestyle warm-up, 450s choice, and then two 100s moderate. And then the main set, it was actually a good main set. Uh, we did two sets through, so twice through what I'm about to say. Four times 100 moderate and with 15 seconds rest, 250s strong, three 100s moderate, 450s strong, two 100s moderate, 650s strong. So you were starting with four 100s and doing one less 100 as you went through and the 50s were, were, were going up. Uh, then we had 200 warm down and I think that was 3.6 or 3.7 Ks. Nice. Uh, so it was a good session. For me as a coach, um, it's nice, I, I probably wouldn't have, made a session like this so it gives me you know some different things yeah, nice. that, I, that I wouldn't always do if you're a self-coached athlete and you struggle when you go oh. to the pool to think about workouts I was literally thinking that because when I swam it was always in squads and so you had a coach running it up but if I had to go by the pool by myself Ugh, it sucked but, and, and you're hoping some pools had things written up yeah you just wanted something with this you don't even need to write it up because literally in your goggle it's going to tell you Right, we're doing four 100s now at a moderate effort. And when you come in and you touch the wall, it's going to tell you how much rest you want to be taking. So it basically walks you through the whole session. And it knows you've touched the wall. Yeah, it knows you, t- you, you stand up and then it's saying, right, it's rest time and you've got 20 seconds rest and then it's going to tell you to, to go. So you don't have to count, you don't have to think, you've basically just got to swim, which is a really good opportunity to focus on your technique a little bit more because you, you are literally just swimming and trying to set to, a, to an effort and to a pace uh, and yeah you just don't have to think too much so enjoy it so check it out at formswim.com and remember the promo code IM15 IM get 15 bucks off and go check it out yeah tell you what if you try to improve your swimming it's a good thing to do okay let's go to wanger of the week okay you've pulled up we've got Jonathan Blake Jonathan Blake is from North Kenton, Ohio, I think it is. In, in America, I think that is. Yep. Um, and he's, he's a consistent trainer. Unbelievable. I looked at this last night when I was doing the prep. Like not one bad week in the last year. It, not one single bad week. It is mental. He has consistently done, uh, where, did, where was that graph gone? Uh, he was, yeah. Over 400 minutes a, a, a week. Consistently basically. doing um, 18 hours pretty much every week and plenty of weeks that are a little bit above that. So in some respects, it's not, you know, he hasn't got any easy weeks in there. It is just like, you look at his bar graph yeah, and it's, boom, yeah, 12 months. There's, no, there's not one week he had an easy week. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And last weekend, Jonathan Blake, he did Ironman Lake Placid by the look of it. Oh, nice. So he did, uh, on the run, he did four hours, 34 minutes. On the bike, he did six hours, 32 minutes. And the swim, uh, he did 3,900 metres in one hour and 14. So I would say, if his Garmin is correct, the swim was a fraction long. If we're doing our course accuracy at 3.9 Ks, often the swim stuff's not accurate. The bike, he only got 175.43 kilometres. We don't know he started his bike computer on time, but I wonder if that's the reason why we're seeing bike course records at Ironman Lake Placid. If that's accurate... That does not meet the threshold for me in terms of course accuracy. <laughs> so five k, yeah. And then on the run, uh, bang on, good work. Ironman Lake Placid, forty two point one four kilometres. So Mister Consistency, Jeez, what, did, what did we do last week? Just give me a second. 
Uh, what, what number was he, Bevan? I've, oh, I don't know. No, he was number seven on our rankings last okay. week. Uh, so he did 25 hours and 34 minutes uh, with a two hours, 55 minutes swimming, 15 hours and 54 on the bike and six hours and 49 minutes running. Uh, Jonathan Blake, you are our winger, winger of, the of the week. Okay, let's go questions and answers. Let's go back to your quiz question. What year, the pen- now, so what I do remember, it was... Hawaii was first. Yep. Was there another American race that came in earlier? No. Because you had Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Zealand Germany, and Canada. Canada. They were the kind of the yep, first ones, weren't that. they? Yep. So New Zealand started about 84. Would that be right? Or was that a little bit early? Um, Maybe it was 87. I th- we had a long course race before it became Ironman, which yep. is the same case in, in Canada here. So I don't actually know about the New Zealand stuff. That's why I thought this was. Remember there's that photo of I with Scott. In the first yeah. New Zealand, remember, he's, he looks like he's just in a snorkel outfit. Yeah, remember yeah. That yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely mid eighties. Yeah, mid eighties. So Canada, I'm going to say. So what? What was? Do you know which one was the first one outside of Kona? Well, I do now. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to say it came out in eighty six. 83. On the morning, I got this off Triathlete Magazine. On the morning of August 20th, 1983, some two dozen triathletes huddled together on the banks of the Okanagan uh, Lake in Penticton, British Columbia. So what's this? What's the second one outside of Kona? This was the first, I think. Okay. They gathered for the Ultra Triathlon, the very first iron distance event outside of Kona, Hawaii. Uh, comprised 22 men and one woman. Um, then... For the next 30 years, this tradition continued. Um, in 1986, it was coined Ironman Canada and maintained that title until 2012. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Learn something every day. 1983 was the first iron distance race outside of Kona. So outside of Kona, here's a question. Outside of Kona, where is the longest running race in one place? Because New Zealand hasn't because New we Zealand went to Auckland hasn't. and then we went to Topol, Topol mm. and then Australia's moved around. Uh, was the main race still in the same place? No, that's moved around. It used to be in Foster. It's not that's there right, anymore. It was, it was Foster. Uh, Germany has obviously moved. I'd be tempted to say... Does Japan, Japan, Japan even exist anymore? I don't even know. I'd be tempted to say Lanzarote. Oh, yeah. I don't know when that started, um, but it's been around for quite a while. Uh, a lot of the other races have moved around. It's a good question, actually. Brazil's moved around a little bit, I think. Um, where are some of the other ones? Looks like I'm in Japan's seventy point three now. Yeah, um, and that's just moved as well. It's a jolly good question, Bevan. Yeah, I'm in France has moved around quite a bit. Yeah, well, well, uh, so Kona's obviously stayed, although that started on the Big Island, but they went to Kona pretty quickly. Mm. Um, yeah, what, uh, what, what, good, good question. Maybe it's a quiz question for another week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, John Bo, let's say thank you to our patrons. We have. Richard the Stinger Ray. We got Grant the King of Swing Richards. And Michael the King of the Castle Morpeth. We say a big thank you to our sponsors. First of all, form the empower swimmers at every level to reach their goals, whether they want to get stronger, faster, swim further, or be more efficient. Get lap by lap motivation with real time metrics and workout instructions right in your goggles. Check out formswim.com. Plus use the promo code IAM15 to get $15 off. If you want to get show email to you, just go to www.iamtalk.me. Down the bottom of the front page, you can also become a patron there. For coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com. For my 
websites, Bevan James Isles, that's where you can get my new book. I will make you passionate about exercise and also other content such as Age Group of the Week. It was interesting, you know, recently I was talking about, or email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. So I was, interested, I was talking about how helping people who aren't exercising, if you're, an, if you're mm-hmm. a person. Well, I did a post on Instagram about it and a girl at the gym came to me this morning and she's she comes to our gym for workouts, but she works at another gym. Mm-hmm. And she suggested to a friend and, and her friend said, was basically took it as you're judging me. <laughs> yeah, right. I was really offended by it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fascinating, eh? Mm. Mm. You know, how do you delicately open someone up to helping them in an area mm. where, you know, and, and she, this girl I was talking this morning was saying, she really thought really hard about how she can do it. It was just like, hey, you know, must, you know, because they used to exercise together. Mm-hmm. And I think this girl's had some a, a kid. And so mm-hmm. life's changed. And she was a bit like, hey, you want to get back into it and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, the female's like, you're judging me. And, no, I'm better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Isn't it? Isn't it? Anyway, uh, Jombo, your goss. What is my goss? Oh, the first thing, I'm pretty happy I'm not having to run today um, because we ran last night and it was, God damn it, it was miserable. Yeah, it was miserable. Um, what's my goss? You know what Bevan? I find funny is the gym's quiet. I don't get it. Oh, this morning at the pool, it did get a bit busier, but when, for the first. 30, 40 minutes. It was like basically our group of swimmers, and that was it. The whole the rest of the complex was yeah. completely empty. And it pulls like a gym. Yeah. Like you're indoors. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. I, you know, like I get, you know, I get, like my running business, this time of year attendance can be a bit down. Oh, running outside. Yeah. Yeah. Get that. Like, and even then I give them a hard time because, like, mate, you signed up for this. You've got to turn up. Yeah. But, but you're in a gym. Mm. And our gym's pretty flash. You know, yeah. like it's not a bad facility. It's not mm-hmm. cold. Mm. You know, so sharpen up. Um, Bevan, today I am going to be signing up to Challenge Road. Oh! First iron distance race. Can you get us up nine still? Well, I was filling in the, the form before and it put it in your predicted time. And you smashed it last time. What did you do, 8.43? 8.53. I think I went okay. 8.51 the first time, maybe 8.53. That was a hot day and that was a hard course. Uh, you did well. I man. reckon I had an 8, 8.45 in me on a good day there. But that was five years ago. Was that five years six? ago? Yeah, that was 20, I'm pretty sure that was 2017. Uh, no It was either 2017 or 2018 It was 2017 Because I Went in 2018 And I didn't race So oh, Really? I think it was 2017 It was there or thereabouts It's been a while anyway So I am thinking to myself What am I going to do next year? Don't think I'll be I won't be in quite the same sort of shape I don't think But I'll, I'll hopefully build up to reasonable shape But so I you am want intrigued mind, don't you? I am intrigued to see what I can do Sub 9 is going to be I think a big ask and then I've got to decide, do I want to go in the sub nine group? Or do you or, start at a different time? Yeah, you start with the, the you pros. You've got to go with them, don't you? Sorry? You've got to go with them, don't you? Yeah, well, th- yeah, I think so. I, but then you, the, the, then you likely end up isolated on the bike. Um, well, surely you faster go, bikers will okay. What's the diff- time difference? Uh, it's random afterwards. So, so, Or do you go with your age group and then you're going to have more people around you? I don't know. I, I, the other thing was if you, if you join the sub there's a, there's a tick box yeah. if, you jo- if you join the sub 9 group and if you do break 9 hours you get your money back on your entry yeah really? yeah less than $99 processing feels like but it's like that's quite a big incentive to that's go sub really, 9 and what, what are those for females? that's a good question because they must have one mm. wow that's really fascinating yeah it is. I didn't know that uh I've got one guy coming on the camp who's sort of looking at sub nine. I'm going to get your ass into gear, yeah. and uh, you got a chance of getting your money back. Oh, uh, other than that, Bevan, um, yeah, just the kids are back at school this week, which is fantastic. Get a bit over. Oh, we did our first <laughs> ever, did our first ever world championship indoor Canterbury champs uh, 
duathlon at the weekend. It was quite good. So fun. was it treadmill? No, we, we we did the bike inside on trainers. Uh, we used a Perf Pro platform, which is. It's not like Swift, but you basically yeah. you're offline and you can all race. And uh, took all the youngsters out there, which was quite nice. Where'd well, you we, go? We just ran around the river, so we did a 12k bike and a 4k uh, 4k run off the bike. It's good fun though. I was thinking I'm not going to push very hard here, and I didn't certainly didn't push to the limit. Yeah. But um, when you're in that group environment, you certainly push oh, harder than uh, when when the gun went off. We said right, go. You looked up. We have a big screen, and it's got all the power numbers, and you were seeing some. Big numbers being laid down. Who took it out? Uh, I took it out. Oh, there you go. Um, but not everybody was pushing very hard. Other than that, Bevan, I uh, went to the court theatre at the weekend. Oh, what did you see? You go to potted, the court. Potted Potter. They put seven Harry Potter books into one 70 minute show. Now, it was more of a. It, was, it wasn't a kids' thing, but it was sort of suitable for kids and, and adults. But yeah, they did uh, 70 minutes, bit panto sort of stuff. Did it work? Uh, it. Yeah, it was, it was all right. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit panto for me, but it was, uh, yeah, seven books in 70 minutes and gave you a summary of Harry Potter. And that was about it, Bevan. My wife got angry at me the other night. Oh, no. And Too really much sport quite, quite, watching? No, because I'm not that guy. Yeah. No, I watch, I probably watch 90 minutes of sport on a weekend. I don't watch huge amount of sport. But um, no, I got my Apple Watch about 132 days ago. Yeah. You know why I know that? Yeah, because I'll keep my streak going for 132 days. Yeah, and I went for a run. I'm starting to just increase. What my streak r- did you keep going for 132 days? My rings on the Apple Watch. You get rings every day. You get one for movement, one for standing, one for exercise. Right. And I set my exercise standard at 100 on the watch. Oh, sorry, at a, in an hour. So when you buy the watch, it's at 30 minutes. But I was like, oh, I'll do an hour every day. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, on a Friday, an hour walk, you get it. Mm-hmm. So, so John, I was just walk up a hour on a Friday. So my Friday is my rest day from exercise. Um, but I'm starting to. And back in mind, maybe think about doing a marathon. Um, so I just, last week I increased the loading in two ways. Did a harder session and then I added another session. Mm-hmm. And on my Friday, on my Saturday run, I just pulled my groin a little bit. Not bad. You mm-hmm. know, I've had three days off. It's going to be fine another week. Um, but, um, so then Sunday, I meant to do my long run. Mm. So I did, so you can, you can kind of check, you can do yoga and stuff to get your hours exercise out. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. But I, by by eight o'clock at night, we got to be about eight o'clock. I still had fifteen minutes of movement to do in my day. <laughs> yeah. So first, I start doing this one. Like uh-huh. It looks like I'm having a wank, basically, team. <laughs> so I'm just shaking my hand, trying to get it up there, and then trying to do sprints with my hand. And then I basically, it's like nine eight forty five. We go to bed at about twenty past eight, so it's like it's kind of late for us. I'm literally just walking up and down the <laughs> for like fifteen minutes. And Joe, Joe was like, "What are you doing?" Like I'm just just want to get my movement ring. And she, she was she thinks I'm a bit obsessed. Yeah, and so I'm That's walking up the hallway, shaking my hands on this, trying to get the yeah. minutes out. But I got my I keep my streak up. Oh, that's what um, social media and bloody all these platforms was all about, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't actually. I don't because I don't even share my stuff on Zwift. I'm mean, sorry on Strava. Sure. Um, but I like. I like getting my, like I do like taking that mm. off. And um, and I would have got it if I hadn't get injured. But I, yeah, so she's you know, she was getting quite annoyed. But just, <laughs> what the f are you doing? I'm just walking <laughs> up and down the hallway. <laughs> like, babe, I'm like, babe, streak. So you run Christchurch Marathon now. I think of doing it. No, because I do the voice work. Ah, oh. yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'm doing Queenstown. Right, but I. Question is, I don't know if I've got a sub three in nowadays. Because since my op, I've lost speed. Mm. You know, like I, I can run decently, mm. but sub fours are now a bit more of a struggle. Whereas yeah. before my op, if I went for a run, I'd kind of just naturally sit around three fifty to four. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, 
it's like a four minutes a lot of effort. Mm. I haven't tried to do hub running in the last 18 months, so I've built a good base. Mm. Um, but I don't know if I've got enough time before Queenstown to actually but I'll do some measuring. But I'll see what it's like after this, and I'll do some measuring. I really would want to go sub three. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's and Queensland's not a fast course. Four seventeen per k for so, a sub three. So I should three. be able to do that, but I just don't know if it's a long enough time frame to build a mm. good endurance base with the speed work that needs mm. to be done. Like Christchurch would be ideal because mm. it's kind of more April, but unfortunately I do the voice work there. So, but I'll I'll kind of see how this league holds up for the next couple of weeks and then make a decision. But it'd be nice to do because I don't race nowadays. It'd be nice mm. to do a race again. Totally. And the marathon's a good challenge. Exactly. You know, so bring it on. Oh, and Russ. Oh. Sorry, sorry, bring it on. Just like, yeah, bring on the marathon. I got into it. Iron Russ. I mean, train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.